Welcome to coffeeis.me podcast, where me means you, or more precisely, us. This is the show where your host, Valerian, without using any interrogation techniques, convinces coffee professionals to reveal their secrets to teach and inspire you to make better coffee and earn a few bucks on the side, if that's what you fancy. Let the show begin. Hey everyone, this is Valerian from coffeeis.me podcast. Are you ready to ignite? Oh wait, that's another podcast. Uh, let's say, are you ready to get buzzed? That might work. <laughs> Thank you for listening to coffeeis.me podcast. Today we are going to continue our discussion with Benjamin Myers from Thousand Faces Coffee and he will answer your questions. Before we start, I decided to share some cool statistics I get from SoundCloud, the place I host this podcast. I was curious, who are you? Who, who, where are you guys from? You know, what you do? Well, statistics will not tell me what you do, but they will tell me where are you, you know, and who is listening to this podcast. So I went ahead and uh, set the last 30 days. So let's see, for the last 30 days, who was coming to coffees.me, who was listening to coffees.me podcast? So the top countries I have here is United States, then it's United Kingdom, I guess that's thanks to William Davies. Then we have Canada, oh yeah, Norway, wow, I don't know too many people in Norway. And here we go, the number four is Norway. Then we have Germany, Australia, of course, Australia and South Africa, you know. Uh, Australia is a big coffee country, so I'm very happy that you guys listening there. South Africa is, I think, an upcoming star of the specialty coffee. So let's see. Netherlands, of course. Denmark. United Arab Emirates comes at 10, which is pretty cool. I, you know, was not aware that people in United Arab Emirates are listening to this podcast. So thank you guys for listening to this podcast. And hey, number 11, number 12 is Slovakia and Czech Republic, which is, yeah, my home country. Well, I can say both of them are my home country because we used to be one country before. So why not? We have here also coming up Latvia, Ireland, Sweden, Belgium, Saudi Arabia, France, Turkey, Ukraine, Russian Federation, and so on and so on. So guys, thank you so much for listening. Now let's see by towns. Where are you? In which towns are you guys? San Francisco number one. I love that. That's great. I'm glad that the guys from around the Bay Area are listening to this podcast. Strömen, Norway. There we go. Norway, Norway number two. Strömen. I don't know anyone in Strömen. <laughs> but I guess I will. I don't know. <laughs> Dubai number three. Oslo number four. London number five. Six is Philadelphia. Seven is Copenhagen. Eight, New York. Nine, Memphis. And ten, Riga, Latvia. Wow. <laughs> That's cool. This is truly fascinating. With a microphone a laptop and Skype, I can share coffee thoughts with the whole world. Thank you so much for making this possible by listening and giving all your support. So no ads in this episode. This one is dedicated to you. Not only that we are going uh, to go without ads today, but there's also cool bonus from Ben, who was kind enough to share his articles he wrote for the amazing Roast magazine. You can download them by visiting the show notes to this episode, or you can get them in our Facebook group, coffeeis.me. Yes, it is the same group where you can ask questions like the ones in this episode. The easiest way to get to our Facebook group is by visiting coffeeis.me website 
and you will see on the top menu community. Just click on that and apply and I will approve you. Finally, before we start, a little update about the challenge I started last week. I decided to get myself a pro espresso equipment for my home if I get over 50 reviews on iTunes by end of this year. For one of you, I promised Coffee Courses membership plus three coffees from Green Plantation, that's my business in Slovakia, and one mystery coffee from, well, that's a mystery, right? A week ago, we started with 14 reviews and a week later we have 14 reviews. <laughs> Oops, I guess I overestimated my capabilities. Well, I'm not giving up though. In any case, this is fun. Thank you for all your reviews if you think I should get back to the espresso game or if you think I should not get back to espresso game and espresso gear can actually harm me. Thank you for not giving me any reviews and potentially saving my life. Okay, let's start this one. So one of the first questions I got was, are you happy? <laughs> uh, am I happy? You know, I don't, I don't even like that question. I think there's, a, there's a, uh, an obsession in America with, with kind of, are you happy? Are we happy? Happy, happy, happy. And I like to, to have the, the full range of the human experience and emotions. I like to be happy. I like to be sad. I like to be confused. I like to be uh, angry. Um, so I think if, uh, if the question was, am I, um, hitting my target emotions, I would say yes. <laughs> I love this answer. This is awesome. <laughs> and it's so true. We don't even realize yeah. that you're right. I love this. Mm. Okay. Next one. How do you sell your coffee offline at your coffee place, farmers market, etc., and online in your own shop and why? We sell our coffee every way we, we, we possibly can. Um, we sell it at farmer's markets. We have a, a retail uh, donut shop that's under another brand. We sell it through the roaster. We sell it through other people online. Um, we sell it ourselves online, in grocery stores, restaurants, offices. Cool. What kind of online store do you use? Uh, we use Go Coffee Go. We use uh, Misto Box. <clears throat> then we use our own online platform. We Is have a, uh, and that's through Squarespace. Uh -huh, and okay. we have a gentleman who uh, is kind of our online salesperson, and his his full time job is to to monitor our online sales and to make suggestions as to how we can improve it, uh, based on kind of generating more web traffic and. Uh, creating more successful uh, conversion funnels on our uh, online site. Using the right terms there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm an online marketing. It took me a while to learn it. <laughs> so, good job. How do you convince other roasters to collaborate in sourcing green coffee? I guess this can be taken two ways. One is that perhaps... If the roasters are from the same town and they want to buy uh, smaller quantities from importer and importer only sells a pallet, but also perhaps if they want to go to origin and want to share a container. So how would you convince other roasters to do that, to collaborate in this? You know, certain relationships, people, you, you build with people and you have trust and you have just good communication. Um, 
I think whenever I'm trying to convince another roaster to to draw their attention to a particular coffee, the first thing to do is to to get them a sample and to let them kind of try it for themselves. Um, obviously, I you know put the story out in front of them and 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 try to only put uh, coffees that I feel uh, really strongly about in front of them. You know, I don't I don't sell green coffee, so I don't make any kind of profit, but um, oftentimes I'll be presenting kind of different uh, coffees to, to colleagues in, in different marketplaces and, and trying to get them on board with it. Um, I've really been enamored with uh, the Gold Mountain uh, Coffee Growers Project in uh, Nicaragua and been enamored with uh, uh, Fazenda Ambiental Fortaleza in, in Brazil. I actually introduced uh, Blue Bottle Coffee to um, to them, and uh, they buy a significant amount of coffee uh, from that from that coffee farm now. I think just yeah, you, know, you know what I do. Oftentimes, I'll send them a, a roasted a roasted uh, sample of what what we've done with the coffee. That way, they don't even have to to worry about firing up the sample roaster and they can just taste it how, how we've prepared it if, if we have the coffee. What would you do different if you had to start again? I would probably put myself in a larger marketplace now uh, that has a, a, you know, Athens, Georgia is, is a pretty small city. Um, you know, I think there's only about a hundred and, you know, 200,000 uh, people in Athens, so it's it's a small mar- small marketplace. It's you know it's a place I love, uh, but I think if I was going to you know do another coffee roaster, I would you know kind of target a, a larger a larger city like uh, San Francisco or New York or somewhere like that. But that that comes with a lot of other challenges too, and I'm I'm not necessarily saying that that's what I'm going to do or yeah. want to do. You know, I see your point, but I think your choice was not bad because in the beginning of the interview, you told me that there was no competition in light rows. Right. And that 200,000, it's yours. That's your market. Those are your yeah. people. But if you come to San Francisco, there is tons of companies already, you know, so it's yeah. very hard to score. So I think it was a good choice, you know. Uh, maybe, as you said, it's a slower growth, but it's, I think it's much more stable. Right. So, yeah, I think yeah. Oh, thank you for that. I'm I'm glad it was the right choice. Well, this you know this is my style. I like that style. So yeah. you go to places where nobody else is, or you do businesses which everybody else neglects. Right. And either well, your it, market will be very small, but it's yours. It's all yours. It it worked out well. You know, sometimes I I kick myself a little bit for because I left Berkeley, uh, you know, ten years ago. And if you think back ten years ago in Berkeley, what was what was going on? It was a it was a pretty prime market for for opening up a, a specialty coffee roasting business. Um, you know, this would have been pre uh, blue bottle, pre you know four barrel ritual type of or just just about the time that they were all getting going I, I actually don't know the, the actual dates but sometimes I think back and kick myself a little bit for that but I think I, I did make the right decision and uh, Athens was a great place to open it up and I've been really happy and honored to be um, you know a part of kind of developing kind of specialty coffee in, in the south in Georgia and in North Carolina and 
um, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Cool. How many days per week do you roast? And what is the most number of days we should wait from the time an order is placed until it is roasted? And how did this evolve over time? Well, so me personally, I don't, I don't roast at all anymore. I used to roast five. I used to roast all the time doing it all myself, but I haven't, uh, I don't roast coffee myself anymore. Uh, but we roast, uh, five days a week right now, sometimes six, sometimes seven. We have our accounts, uh, set up on a specific day in which, uh, we roast for, we roast for them and we collect their orders on, on that day just in order to kind of manage our, our, our production better. So we don't have all the orders come in at once. Um, so typically we're doing somebody, uh, like we roast, uh, Monday for a Wednesday or a Tuesday for a Thursday. So they'll get their coffee, uh, two days after the roast date. So what is your biggest determining factor for how long you will approach a roast? Uh, origin and altitude. Mm. Those are, those are the kind of two things that I would, uh, think are the most important, uh, just to kind of you know, say a little bit more about that, just kind of having awareness as to, to, you know, the, the country that the, that the coffee comes from and the, and the region and those kind of unique characteristics that, that come with each coffee. And then also kind of, you know, the altitude, uh, I think altitude is something that should affect your, your charge temperature. That's one of the ways I've always roasted. I, I'm not saying it's necessarily the right way of doing things, but it's, a way in which we've approached coffees. Cool. So this is a very interesting question. Uh, I like it because it concerns both of us. Some roasters are holding back in teaching because they have to keep a secret. What is your view on this? I mean, if you have a roaster and an educator yourself, you are going to share all that you know and what are, you, your, what are your plans? So this is a, a wonderful question. I'm actually presenting at the uh, Nordic Roasters Forum next month on uh, sharing information and the kind of myth of the trade secret. You know, I'm, I'm just a huge advocate of sharing information. And if anyone was ever to say to me, well, like, you know, Ben, why, why are you going to tell your competition, you know, how to do this? And I think, you know, because it's, it's going to make the space larger for us all to enjoy. You know, it's going to educate more consumers about this specialty coffee and, mm-hmm. and people are going to be, uh, you know, we're just going to, we're going to light up more lights in the world and, um, activate more, more people. Um, so I think that that's, that's the goal with sharing and, and, uh, it's going to make me better. You know, it's going to open up those channels with, uh, with, with trust and communication and relationship and, and people are going to give me, insights and wisdom which which i was otherwise blind to and that's going to help me grow my business for me the reason why i love to share is because we are creating a new marketplace it's non-existent like we had i had this interview with william davies and we talked about that that specialty grade is still brand new we are just 0.001 percent of the coffee industry and together let's make it 10% 10% because if it will be 10% we're already making much 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 more money than before but we have to realize that if we don't we just you know kind of fight each other and a second reason is that uh, it, it's kind of funny I said it once and I like to use it 
uh, when we started Green Plantation, we were sharing a lot of information, uh, also with roasters, and we got suddenly a lot of competition. And you have to realize Slovakia is a poor market, so people are not that rich. And also it's only 5 million people, only 5 million people, so it's tiny. So people started to copy us, and I was like, you know what, what can I do about it? I can either uh, get upset and kind of annoyed, or... What I can do is charge for them. So that's why I became educator. So I decided to charge for them. Right. <laughs> that's, that's the funny side of the story. But I agree that we are creating a marketplace. So it's kind of uh, cool to uh, share and do it together. Yeah. When blending, do you blend by volume or mass? We blend by volume. Do you roast for yourself or for your customers? That's a good one. <laughs> I, both it's a it's a complex question um but we we're not going to do something that we don't believe in uh because a consumer wants it you know if mm-hmm. they're going to say you know i want i want the coffee this way if it if that's not kind of our approach to it we're not going to adjust but at the same time we would you know be open and listen to feedback and if you know if a, if a consumer's it just depends on on the feedback and and the consumer's kind of point of view Obviously, we want to create a product that the consumers can really connect to and 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 really enjoy, um, and I think that comes from really having our our approach and our game tight. Got to stick stick to what we what we what we know and do best. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there. Uh, yeah. What grinder do you use for quality control? Uh, we use a uh, Didding. But yeah, Diddings. I like Diddings and Malconics are great too. The fancy ones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how did uh, you define market niche and price? Wow. Uh, our price is based on our, our, the price we pay to the producer uh, and the, our uh, cost of production. And then we have a margin kind of based in, uh, built into that. That kind of establishes our wholesale price to uh, the consumer. So if we're paying more uh, for a particular coffee, then that's then the consumer or the uh, wholesale account's gonna pay pay a little more as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure. Can you tell us the uh, price difference between your retail and wholesale uh, price? The difference between our kind of wholesale priceless and our suggested retail is just you know we're selling a 12 ounce wholesale bag for nine dollars and 30 cents we're selling a our suggested retail is 14 dollars mm-hmm. you know we we try to suggest prices and, and let people you know base it on on their own kind of scale but that's what we sell our bags for directly to the public i think our our highest price bag right now is about $20. I see the same coffees in, that we have in larger markets selling for, for more, and we're still kind of building our, our market down in, in the south. So we're, I think we're priced on the higher end for our market, uh, but potentially for on a little bit of a lower end for similar coffees in larger markets. But our blends go down to about $7.50 for a 12-ounce bag. Uh, that which would be about ten dollars a pound. That's where we're at. Cool. Thanks. I mean, this gives uh, some startups an idea, you know, how to price their wholesale and retail prices. All right. Last question from our listeners: 
is uh, is it necessary to wait several hours days after roasting before you can brew a cup I constantly see conflicting stories on this thanks I think it is uh, necessary to wait for different uh, processes I think when you're cupping I like to uh, give the coffee at least a, a night's rest so cup it the next day I think when you're when you're brewing coffee you're gonna hit the ideal window kind of you know, three to six days after the roast. And I think with espresso, you're hitting the kind of ideal window anywhere from seven to 14 days off the roast. Mm -hmm. And I think there's uh, various uh, kind of understandings with that, uh, just as there's kind of lots of different approaches. And um, but those have been those have been the protocols that I abide by. Mm -hmm. You said something about the different processes. I recently noticed that the Sandra Naturals actually kind of are nicer after a week or so. Did you in have the same experience? In terms of what? Cupping? No, no when, you, when you brew them, there's kind of like more fruitiness coming through, you know, because that's what you want from the uh, Sandra Naturals, especially from Ethiopia. They were just kind of like nicer, smoother, more balanced than the first, let's say, three, four days. Right. I don't know if you yeah, had the same I, I th experience. I think I noticed that as well. I mean, I think you, you just really have to pay attention to the detail and you have to care because things are things are changing too. I mean, producers are getting a lot better at, uh, at, at you know, there's a lot better coffees on the marketplace than there were uh, five, ten years ago. And, um, you know, they're getting here, they're getting to the United States faster, you know, the there's efficiencies have improved a lot at origin. And so I think you just have to remain awake and aware to, to what's, to what's going on. You know, sometimes I worry that we have a coffee that might, might be in our roaster that just a, a little too fresh off harvest. And, you know, I think for a long time we were really pushing to get, you know, those coffees in fresh off the harvest, but sometimes if they just have like a little more time resting, uh, they seem to open up a little bit more, but that's not the case for all coffees in all situations. Um, but it might be, and that's part of the beauty about building a relationship with a producer is that you begin to understand those little specialty nuances, which might be just a tad bit different than what's written in the book, you know? Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. This was really awesome. I mean, we learned so much about uh, starting a company and how you grow and what you do now. So this is really uh, awesome. Thank you for all the information. Uh, last questions from me. Where can people find you? I think the best way to, to kind of find me is through the, the, the Chain Collaborative or through Thousand Faces. Those are my two main activities. I put the links in the article where I've been oh, thank publishing, you. so no worries about that. And I like to, because I have one more question. Sure. Uh, you wrote these amazing three articles you sent to me uh, in email for the Rose magazine. Is it okay if I put them on under this oh, article? Oh, please. Yeah, those are, yeah, thank you. I really enjoyed the one about the feedback. Oh, great. That was, yeah, that was my most recent one. Mm, cool. I, I, for whatever reason, I don't get any more Rose magazine. I, I guess I just forgot to pay the bill or something. I don't know. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll look into it. But thank you so much. And uh, it was a pleasure to meet you. Oh, pleasure. Thank you so much. 
Thank you so much for spending your time with Coffee Is Dot Me podcast. I hope you enjoyed today's episode where I ask your questions. If you want to ask a question from one of our future guests, feel free to join our Coffee Is Dot Me Facebook group and ask a question. In the next episode, I have a guest from Australia, Daniel Smith from First Fruits Specialty Coffee. So don't forget to tune in. And me and Daniel are going to talk to you soon. Bye.